Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker, this is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. It's Fight Night Extra with myself, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, the one and only Mr. Nick Pete, where we'll be discussing all the latest from the world of combat sports. So today we'll discuss in depth the rumours surrounding Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Could the fight be back on? Yep, we all expected a doubleheader a year ago now. But we'll hear from Eddie Hearn, who joined the TalkSport Breakfast Show, to give us his thoughts. Sticking with heavyweights, just how big was that win for Andy Ruiz on Sunday night against Luis Ortiz in Los Angeles, California? Nick and I will break down that impressive performance. There's a huge all-female card this weekend, and we'll preview that in depth telling you everything you need to know. And also, you'll hear my interview with Unified Super Featherweight World Champion, Michaela Meyer. UFC heavyweight Tom Aspinall tells us exactly what it feels like to be out for 10 months. And we break down all of the major news coming out of mixed martial arts. Nick, of course, was in Paris on Saturday night for the UFC event. And Nate Diaz is in action next weekend. Nick and I will discuss that in depth one of the icons of the ufc world don't go anywhere this is fight night extra on talk sport 2 anthony joshua i'd like to give you an opportunity to fight me for the wbc heavyweight championship of the world in the next few months, a battle of Britain for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the world. The message is quite clear from Asia that we don't want to get involved in the backwards and forwards. We want the fight. If that fight is there and they're serious, which you know I have my doubts, but listen, let's let's for the good of trying to make it happen, let's believe Tyson Fury. Time-wise, it's going to be difficult for them to come up with the plan and and you know the the date to make it happen. But we're all is. You want the very best version of Anthony Joshua in this fight and the very best version of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua coming off two very debilitating losses and we saw the emotional reaction from that is not 
the very best version of Anthony Joshua. He's not a charity case. He doesn't need Tyson Fury to throw him an offer. We're talking about being very, very fair. Tyson being extremely fair. And if, they, if, if and when these come out, if they do come out, they want to publicise them, you'll all be shocked. So, Mr. Pete, how are you? Paris, tout est bien? Oui. <laughs> As you can tell, my pe- my French lingo was very much non-existent, but I tell you what, it was the the, the only language getting spoken in Paris at the weekend was, was our kind of language, fight and talk, and it was unbelievable. The UFC, first ever time in France. Pleasure to be there, and honestly, Gareth, it was a, a very special moment, especially in that main event with Cyril Gannon and Taito Avassa, a cracking weekend. Yeah, I've been to Paris myself for Bellator, of course, and... Um... Yeah. Actually, I had about four different shows to do that night. It was in COVID. We only had 500 people in the in the sports center there. It's an amazing venue, very historic, isn't it? And uh, it's a fantastic place for for mixed martial arts Paris because people have wanted it there for so long, and the Olympic lobby has suppressed it for so long that there's there's almost a, a joyous outpouring. It's almost a, a celebration at the moment with events going there. I bet it was amazing. It was it was unreal. Honestly, there was the queues around the block at three o'clock in the afternoon just to get in the venue. First fight wasn't until five. More or less capacity crowd from the very first bell. Just a, a phenomenal event to be at. And you know, you know, you know what the UFC is like when they find somewhere like that in, in the world where there's a, a gold mine of fans that they can tap into. I guarantee they'll be going back to France every year now. That's how good it was. Well, we'll be talking heavyweights uh, in the UFC with Tom Aspinall, Sil Gann's fight with Tui, um, Tua Visay, um on Saturday night in Paris. Um, you were there. We'll go into that in depth. One of the great MMA fights, obviously a knockout for Cyril in the in the fifth round, wasn't it? Um, in the third round, rather. Third round. Um, yeah, but uh, heavyweight action in boxing as well in the last couple of days. Um, we'll talk about Luis Ortiz. And um, and Andy Ruiz in Los Angeles at the weekend a little later. But first of all, the big item right now is, is Tyson Fury serious? When he stands towering above his own doorway in his own home, holding a couple of belts, uh, WBC belt, WBC belt, he's the champion, of course, Calling out Anthony Joshua because he hasn't got a fight in December. He's heard Anthony Joshua moments after losing in successive fights to Alexander Usyk get the press conference saying to Eddie, I want to fight again in December. Tyson's heard that. He doesn't want a treading water fight. Doesn't want to fight the mountain, really. The world's strongest man, as he told me. Doesn't really want to fight Derek Chisora. That was a sideshow as well. But he suddenly thought, you know what? Alexander Usyk's ruled himself out till 2023. I don't want a treading water fight. I want to fight Joshua. I want to put my boot on his neck when he's down now and tease him and put a ruse out there. That's what I think anyway. How do you see it, Nick Pete? Yeah, listen, I think there's a lot of a lot of noise behind the scenes and on social media, actually, between Tyson and Manuel Char. The German looked like he was going to come from being an unranked heavyweight to getting a shot at the WBC title. And I don't know whether it was the feedback of the fans or the negativity online about these two going backwards and forwards. That's made Tyson have a little bit of a rethink. But I think, you know, I think him calling out Anthony Joshua, yes, the man's down at the moment. Kick him while he's down. Why not? That's typical Tyson Fury. Get a bit of a, a get of a boot, a bit of a boot in there. But what he's also done is he's thrown Anthony Joshua a lifeline. 
He's thrown a rubber ring off the Titanic and said, come on, climb on board. I'll, I'll help save you because Andy Joshua, if he takes a fight with Tyson Fury, I'm a, to win a fight with Tyson Fury. He becomes a three-time, legit three-time heavyweight champion of the world. Something Tyson's never done. Joins Lennox Lewis as one of the all-time greats in heavyweight boxing. That's the opportunity that Tyson's put in front of him. And I know there's a caveat of conversations about TV networks and money and splits and everything else. However, I'm just delighted AJ came back straight away and said, OK, listen, if you're serious, we're not doing it here on social media reach out to my management team and let's have a serious conversation. For me, that means AJ's interested. Now it's over to Tyson. Was Tyson just trying to ridicule him? Or is Tyson Fury willing to gamble everything he's earned on a guy coming off the back of two losses? I think we're going to find out in the next couple of days. Let's, let's listen to a moment to what Eddie Hearn had to say on this morning's breakfast show on TalkSport. I had a chat last night with uh, George Warren from Queensbury. I mean, look, love to get really excited about this because I think it's the fight that I get stopped on the street for more than any fight that could ever be made. So, and it's a fight that AJ's wanted for a long time. Don't forget, we signed for this fight um, last year before the court arbitration forced the Deontay Wilder fight for Tyson Fury. So, it's an interesting one because last week he retired. Then he'd only come back to fight Usyk. Then he made an offer to Derek Chisora. Then he wanted half a billion. Then he'd retired again. Then he's fighting Usyk in December. Now he's fighting AJ. So the message is quite clear from AJ. Look, we don't want to get involved in a backwards and forwards. We want the fight. It's the fight that he's wanted for a long time. We had plans after the Usyk defeat to come back in December and then go again in March, get active, get the rhythm going again, and then try and fight for the world heavyweight title. But I know, having spoken to AJ, as you saw from his message, if that fight is there and they're serious for the good of trying to make it happen, let's believe Tyson Fury. And I said to George Warren last night, get the details over to us, get the offer over to us. I will take it to AJ. He's ready to go. We didn't expect this opportunity, but it's a great opportunity to fight for the world title and the biggest fight in boxing. And we will definitely look at it. For me, this smells of, oh, we couldn't agree the AJ deal. So I'm fighting this bloke you've never heard of instead, but no one else was available. I tried to make the AJ fight. Let's take the, the cynic away and let's see what we get back from the Fury camp because we're ready to discuss it and we're ready to look at that fight for sure. Um, look, he put some meat on the bones there. Is it really a lifeline for AJ? Are they really serious about taking it? I think Hearn is always a guy who will take the fight if it's available. He's, he, that's his modus operandi now, I think. Yeah. Um, is it right for, ment for AJ mentally physically to get back into camp in about maybe a month's time max after being beaten 17 days ago and we saw where he was mentally and emotionally yeah to be fair though i think he was so mentally and emotionally invested because for me i know he lost but for me that was the best version of anthony joshua i've ever seen i thought he looked great at times in the music fight the problem is he's come up against an all-time great in, in, in world boxing and Alexander Usyk. There's no shame in that. It's a competition at the end of the day. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in fight sports, that one loss, and suddenly we're talking about retirement and you know his legacy is being blown. It's a sports competition at the end of the day. You, you come out of it, there's faculties intact. Okay, you know his, his, his pride took a little bit of annihilation and the PR exercise that played out in the ring with the microphone afterwards should and could have been avoided. But this is an opportunity for him to rebuild that and, and come back straight away. Nobody wants to see him, 
you know, have a fight in December, you know, against a, an unranked heavyweight and then come back in March with another one and re- we get told by his team, oh, AJ's rebuilding. He doesn't need to rebuild. He's at the top of the tree right now. He's at the peak of his powers. He's one of the top five heavyweights in the world. And the guy in the number one spot has said, I'll give you a shot at my belt. Let's talk about money. He would be absolutely mental to say, well, no, actually, um, I'm going to go and rebuild over here with my team. No, rightfully so. AJ's gone, great, okay, let's go. I'm better than I've ever been. Let's have a conversation. And if we can make sure that this split isn't ridiculous... Then I think we can. I think the fight is possible. Do you think though that um, it's they'll go to Cardiff? Do you think they'll go to the Middle East? My instinct is, if the money's available from the Middle East, they'll go back there. But my belief is this fight should be in the UK now, especially where they both stand. Right? Yeah, here. exactly. A hundred percent. I think if AJ beats Usyk. Um, I think one, you know, there's no conversation at all. We're going back to the Middle East. They're going to put a lot of money on the table. And the Battle of Britain, unfortunately, the biggest fight in the history of British heavyweight boxing is going to end up in, in Saudi Arabia. However, just because of the manner of the defeat on AJ on two occasions now, I think it's just perfect for the Millennium Stadium. I'm with Eddie. Listen, if you're going to do it, do it here. Let's go for big pay-per-view numbers. I think it'll do over 1.5 million buys, even oh, though... Yes. Easily. AJ's coming off losses. And I think they've just got to be realistic at the table. You know, I think, think back to when, when Tyson fought Deontay the first time when he went to America, he went to Los Angeles. He'd been in retirement, but he'd been huge overweight. You know, we, we all know the story that, that Tyson went on. When he went and took that fight against Wilder, Wilder kind of offered him a lifeline, Gareth. And what was the split then? Was it, was it Wilder 60%, Tyson Fury 40%? Was it in those it realms? Less. I think Frank Warren said it's something like 70-30 at the time, you know? There you go. It have even been 75-25. It's definitely, wow. it was a low, so Frank's brought it up a few times. Frank Warren has compared um, Tyson Fury to Muhammad Ali in recent months at a lunch we had with him in Little Italy in Soho um, at a boxing writer's lunch. Bob Arum has said a few times and said to me as well that he said for a while that Tyson Fury reminds him he's the latest Muhammad Ali in terms of self-promotion. You've got to say that, you know, there he was in Cardiff at the weekend, knocking out one of the WWE stars <laughs> from the VIP seats. It looked quite nasty, the old forearm smash. Um, but he's learned how to do all that. We know he had training for it. Um, and there he is on Monday, Actually, sir, it's clever promoting, isn't it? He really has got a sense of how to do it, how to generate interest in it. Imagine if Muhammad Ali had social media, you know? know. Wow. It'd that would have been incredible. It would have been absolutely unreal, you know, and it would, have, it would have changed boxing forever, of course, not that he didn't anyway. But the, the point you make, I think there's an element of Tyson has made that video to call out AJ Maybe to ridicule, but then also maybe to think, you know what, I'll get this done. If he can get, in his mind, if he can get AJ in the ring before the end of this year and beat Anthony Joshua, then he's only really got to beat Usyk and his legacy is confirmed. He can ride off into the the sunset. And he'll be be one of the, he'll go down as the greatest heavyweight of this era. Right now, there's still a question mark. There's a question mark about Usyk. There's a question mark about Joshua. And he's got to 
make sure he deals with them before he rides off into retirement. I think that's why he's quite happy to bring this fight up now and to and to make this fight happen in December. I think every fight fan listening should be 100... I know we've all been cynical. We've learned to be cynical, especially around Tyson, who changes his mind like the weather. You know, he retired last week. He was fighting Dillian White. He had a new coach. He's the, that's Tyson. That's just the way he is. However, by coming out and publicly calling out Anthony Joshua and Anthony Joshua replying. And now their teams are having conversations. Now it's up to the fighters. It's not about Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren and the TV networks. It's about Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury putting their big socks on and saying, right, it's happening. No matter what, it's happening. I'll take this. He takes that. Make the fight. And we'll get it. You're listening to Fight Night Extra. Great stuff, Nick. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll hear from UFC heavyweight Tom Aspinall. Next up, though, we'll continue to pick the bones out of the heavyweight division, but this time to focus on Andy Ruiz and what his win against Luis Ortiz on Sunday in Los Angeles means for the heavyweight division going forward. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with myself, Gareth and Avis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, the much better looking one, Nick Thank P. you. That's a pleasure. Adam will have words with me on Saturday night, no <laughs> doubt. That's Mr. Catterall, of course. Right, we're sticking with the heavyweight division now, Nick. Um, fascinating fight between Luis Ortiz and Andy Ruiz on Saturday night. I'll just give a rundown of it. It wasn't a fight with a lot of punch volume. If you look at the stats, Ruiz um, landed 76 punches, um, Ortiz 78. Um, Ortiz was down three times. He does go down easily, weirdly, to little blows sometimes, little flurries to the side of the head and so on. He was down three times. I think the judges got the cards right. I, I, I had it slightly wider to Andy Ruiz, 15-11. I thought it was a good fight. I thought Ruiz looked back to something like his best. Fast hands, looked very focused. um, And and he was the guy I wanted to win for the relevance of the division. Um, You know, and and Ortiz is tricky for everybody, but I think it's good to see Ruiz with a bit of... look. He earned $23 million for the rematch with Anthony Joshua. He ballooned to 21 stone. He was, what was he for this one? Just over 19. Um, You know, he bought five cars and he didn't buy them to show off. He bought them to drive to parties in between the two AJ fights. And he ate himself through, ate himself silly through training camp. In fact, I went to try and find him once in that training camp. And Manny Robles, his then coach, said he couldn't find him, you know? Kept saying he was turning up and never did. But he looks like he's back now after maybe enjoying the riches of becoming heavyweight champion and then losing it. Yeah, I think the the realisation of that, your career is short and it's going to pass you by unless you take it seriously. You know, he was 268 at the, at the scales on Saturday morning, uh, which is the exact same weight as he was for the first Anthony yeah. Joshua fight. So no surprise there how why he looked so much more leaner, so much quicker. I'd say he's got a little bit more muscle mass on him these days than he did for the first Joshua fight. But it, it's typical Andy Ruiz, you know, he's got fast hands and he knows how to use his hands. And even though he's the smaller guy against Ortiz, he um, he was too quick for him. And it was the shots that Ortiz necessarily didn't see coming, the short shots 
on the inside that put him over a couple of times. Uh, I'm like you, I, I you know I had Ruiz win it a little bit wider than the judges. Incidentally, if it wasn't for the three knockdowns, the judges would have had Ortiz winning the fight. I know, but I don't crazy. get that. No, I, don't I, I didn't see that at all. Like you know, I, yeah. I thought Ruiz definitely won the lion's share of the rounds as well as having the knockdowns. So, listen, as you say, how old Ortiz these days? About well, sixty-seven years of age. Well, the well, big... We always say that forty-three is the record, yeah. but he doesn't have a birth certificate at the end of the day. So exactly sixty-seven. Yeah. I was right the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for the good of the division, you want Ruiz because there's a narrative behind Ruiz. There's a narrative moving forward. You know, I was quite surprised Ruiz, to be honest with you, never rocked the microphone and called for a third fight with Anthony Joshua uh, on the back of this victory because that would have been a, a good talking point for him. But, you know, with Deontay Wilder knocking round, talking about making a comeback, that would be a good fight for Andy Ruiz. So he's put himself right back in the frame. And honestly, I, I know people um, don't really get put much stock in the Mexican because of what he did for the rematch with Joshua and the way he ballooned up and, and lost control. But listen, that can happen to any young man. He was the first ever Mexican born and bred heavyweight champion of the world. And he's gone back home and he's loved the good life a little bit too much. I think now coming away from it, he's clearly putting the work back in the gym. He's got his focus back. And I think he could really do something in 2023. I... I... I agree with you, but the, the Americans seem to, about him calling out Anthony Joshua, very odd thing, but, and obviously the timeline with him defeating uh, Luis Ortiz, um, Deontay Wilder had two terrific fights with with uh, Luis Ortiz as well. And yeah. the fact that Luis Ortiz had, with his boxing skills, had um, Deontay Wilder in trouble, real trouble in one of those fights as well. Yeah. So, um you know, Deontay Wilder's not going to change his style. He, he and Ruiz is a fascinating fight. I think Deontay Wilder will arguably stop um, Robert Hellenius. That's in September as well, I yeah. think. Isn't it? Mm. We'll, we'll arguably stop Hellenius. I say this, this is my view, mid to late rounds. Um, and I think Ruiz, Ruiz and Deontay Wilder is a fascinating yet kind of bizarre um, little and large fight, isn't it? I mean, it, it, it's one of those... You know, so I can't imagine Tyson Fury and Andy Ruiz in the ring together. No. It's, a, it's an odd, it's an odd fight. Um, but so having him back in the mix is definitely good. I think I don't think Eddie would put Eddie Hearn would put Anthony Joshua anywhere near um, Andy Ruiz at the moment, in my view. Um, but uh, great to have him in the mix. I think it will be Deontay Wilder next, but I don't understand why. Ruiz and Wilder, and they're both Heyman fighters as well, of course, so that they're easy to make, yeah. I think. I don't understand why they're not driving over here and having fights over here, because those two, both of them, have got five ready-made opponents over here in our larger-than-life heavyweights. Not even throw Chisora in the mix with Andy Ruiz. Yeah. Um, that's a fascinating kind of dust-up. Um, an introduction to the British fans in the UK of Andy Ruiz live. And as you know, he's a terrific man. He's brilliant to be around. You know, he, he's as gentle as Billy Bunter when he's not in the ring. Um, he's, a, he's, he's so angelic looking and young looking when you're up yeah. close to him. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Um, glad for him. Um, I'm glad Deontay's back as well. I think we need him back in the mix, Nick. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, but but you are right. When you look at the heavyweight division and the way it stacks up, you know, you, you probably got five for the top ten of Brits. 
And that's that means that the heavyweight division remains here in the UK. I know we've six got the lion's share of the belts right now, but the money is here in the UK, or, or I should say the Middle East, but the fan base is certainly here in the UK. The interest is certainly here. I'd, I'd love to see Wilder come over here and have a couple of fights. Likewise, Ruiz. Ruiz on the back of the, the one-on-one results with Anthony Joshua. How he's not come over and taken on a Joe Joyce or a, you know, a, a Daniel Dubois or even a Dillian White already is insane. But I think those are all fights that can absolutely happen now that Ruiz looks back to his very best. And um, the fights that would sell, more importantly, Gareth, you know, Ruiz versus Dillian White, Ruiz versus, you know, Derek Chisora, Ruiz versus Joe Joyce. These are yeah. fights that sell, sell out the O2. Big interest. Yeah, absolutely right. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're chatting UFC with Nick and we hear from heavyweight Tom Aspinall who suffered that terrible injury, of course, against Curtis Blaze. 15 seconds of horrible mayhem. Tom uh, joined us on the show and he's got some fascinating things to say about being out for 10 months. But next up, we preview the huge all-female card this weekend. Yep. Uh, Savannah Marshall against Clarissa Shields, of course. But we hear from unified super featherweight world champion Michaela Meyer, who defends her title, of course, to Alicia Baumgartner. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with myself, Gareth Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Before we look ahead to another huge weekend of boxing, let's hear from one of the stars of the action. I spoke to unified super featherweight world champion Michaela Meyer ahead of the event, and she told me why it was so beneficial that she arrived in London so early. Yes, I was just sort of like patting myself on the back this morning saying like, wow, I'm really glad because, you know, for one, it's obviously the time difference and everything that, I want to be adjusted to but 
you know, also a long fight like that definitely throws my weight off. And so I want to be able to kind of, I need that extra four, four day, four or five days to get that, that flight weight off and just kind of ease back into my natural body weight. So, um, this is great because my whole team is here with me. I have my nutritionists and both my coaches and everything. So it's perfect. How do you feel about the fact you're on, you're on this card? There's 11 women's fights. Amazing. Like this was what I was hoping they would do. I kind of expected, you know, once they brought this to my attention about me joining Shields Marshall, um, I kind of hoped and expected that this would turn into an all female card. Like why not? And so I'm glad they, they went through with that. This is amazing. This is iconic. This is exactly what I was hoping for when I, um, when I said, hell yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's bring these two great fights together for the fans and um, hopefully bring up some young female talent while we're at it. This is perfect, ideal. Did you ever have any doubts about the fact that you wanted to be a headline event yourself with Alicia Baumgartner as well, um, as opposed to being on, as you said, the Shields Marshall card or Marshall Shields card? Well, we were going to be the main event. Like that was, I'm a main event fighter now, right? So that was originally what the plan was going to be. But due to logistics and everything that was going on with these fights, they were going to end up happening like back to back, like one weekend. Mm. You know, we would have been the weekend before and they would have been the weekend after. And it just, it was a lot. So it actually made more sense to put these two fights together for the fans, for the networks. And I, I didn't care. I think it's awesome. Like, why wouldn't I want to be back on, on the big stage with my Olympic sister, Clarissa Shields, our other Olympic sister, Ginny Fuse, is on the card also. And so I just thought it would be super fun and super different. Like, I may never get to do something this awesome in my career ever again. I can always go back to being the main event. But mm-hmm. I thought this was really cool and unique. And so I didn't I didn't care about it wasn't really about that for me. It wasn't like my ego kicked in. And I was like, oh, but you're a main event fighter. L- last weekend, I was at the O2 Arena um, for KSI versus Swarms and Luis Pinedo. It's very different kind of event. It was a full arena with uh, a different crowd because it was YouTubers and influencers and the mainstream mm-hmm. the digital world. A lot of very well-known, very famous people, a lot of young people, a different kind of crowd. Are you expecting it to be a different kind of atmosphere? Not this will bother you too much. I'm just trying to get your take on it. Because when you go to the ring, you'll be going to the ring and that's what you'll be focused on. Do you think yeah. you'll see a different kind of atmosphere in there um, on Saturday night? I think I'm going to see a di- different atmosphere than I'm used to already. Just because I'm here in London competing in front of the UK fan base and supporters. Like I've never done that. I know they bring a totally different energy um, to the arena is one of the reasons I was so excited about coming over here to fight. So I already feel like it's going to be something different and unique, but I don't know really, I don't know in what way, honestly, I think it's going to be just as new and exciting for me. Um, I'm used to being thrown into situations though, that I'm, I'm not used to. And obviously coming up in the amateurs fighting in all different arenas and on all different types of cars and different countries and different accommodations. I'm used to it. So I think it's going to be different. Uh, and I really don't know what it's going to be like I'm kind of like just as interested and we'll see but I'm excited for it she's really organized Michaela Meyer I think she's really changed her act over the last year she's up to game she's sassier she's got this alter ego ogre 
or, or maybe an alter ego ogre um, <laughs> on social media. And she, well, I've talked to her about it. She, she admits she goes off on one. She's got her hands full against Alicia Baumgartner, though, in my view. She's the super athlete, um, Baumgartner, for me. The, the explosive mm -hmm. athlete, the physical athlete. And I think Michaela Meyer's got to really tame her in the early rounds with her boxing skills. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'd say Baumgartner's so much more physically strong. She's going to take the fight to Michaela Meyer. She's really going to try and step on her and, and take her into a dark place. And it's up to Michaela Meyer to stick to her superior boxing, something she's done throughout her career so far. You know, she's 17 and 0 for a reason. She's unified this weight division for a reason. She has a fantastic, you know, fantastic boxer. And, you know, she spent a lot of time. I mean, we we talked, we spoke in the previous section about some of that male heavyweights not coming over to the UK, but a lot of these female fighters, uh, you know, Clarissa Shields is another one. Are you aware of the fact that you know boxing in the UK is booming at the moment, and there's a lot of big opportunities, a lot of big fights being made, and Michaela Myers becomes something of a little bit of a mainstay, not even on cards that she's on. But, you know, she comes over and she does a bit of commentary on cards for TV, for radio. You know, we're used to seeing her. We're used to being around her, which is really intelligent by her promotional team. You know, yeah. it's really intelligent that top rank of Gory in front of the British media so often. She kind of feels like a, a home fighter now. I know that sounds strange, but I think it's... Uh, she realises that there's money to be made here in the UK. And on, especially on a card like this, you know, such a, a huge fan, fanfare of a card massive tv exposure massive radio exposure it's gonna be great for all the girls on the card and michaela michaela myers in the co-main event 10 events 10 events in i think it's a 10 event fight card because you've got yeah. 10 women's fights uh, i can never ever remember anything like this before it, it is it's a it's a news breaking moment it's definitely a moment in time. You look down the card. I'm going to go to the main stuff in a minute with you. Lauren Price on the Olympic gold medalist. Her partner, Karis Artingstall, uh, the bronze medalist, uh, fighting Marina Sakharov. Lauren Price against Tamir Belik, uh, of course. Um, uh, you've got uh, Caroline Dubois, another Olympian on there, the younger sister of Daniel Dubois. Um, it Weirdly, Boxrec lists Michaela Meyer and Alicia Baumgartner as the main event. And there's been a bit of toing and froing over this. Obviously, top rank and boxer involved. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating fight between Meyer and Baumgartner. It's really hard to pick a winner in that fight. All yeah. the super featherweight titles, apart from Choi's belt on the line. Uh, it's brilliant to see an event of this magnitude. I'm fascinated to see how big, how broad the crowd is. We're early in the week and I don't know if there's going to be a lot of walk-ups on Saturday night, Nick, but what I think is the main event, Clarissa Shields against Samantha Marshall for all the middleweight belts and the ring magazine belt, a 10-year rivalry. Um, uh, Savannah Marshall saying that she's lived rent-free in Clarissa Shields' head for a decade because she's the only woman to have defeated her at the World Never. Championship, exactly. World Championships uh, 11 years ago uh, in China before the Olympic Games where Clarissa went on to be the first middleweight uh, women's gold medalist. And again, of course, in Rio four years later. It's a big fight, this. And it's really hard, even though it looks like puncher against boxer or puncher against volume puncher. Yeah. It's really hard to pick how this fight goes, in my view, or who wins it. 
Yeah, of course. And, and everyone seems to be kind of painting the same narrative. You know, it's it's the boxer in Cruiser Shields taking on the puncher in Savannah Marshall. And don't get me wrong, I think Savannah Marshall is probably one of the most exciting female fighters in boxing today. You know, nobody has the knockout run that she has. I think her relationship with Peter Fury is one of the strongest and most fruitful relationships in British boxing period. Savannah and Peter have just absolutely gelled as one and he is just bringing out every ounce of talent in it. It's fantastic. It's incredible to see. And everything. They just work so well together. But you're right, you know, Clarissa Shields is the female quote. She's the greatest of all time. She's the most successful female fight, fighter we've ever seen in boxing. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Three-time uh, professional world champion. Three different weight divisions. She's done it all. And there's one blemish on a full record, amateur and pro. And that was that one defeat in the world championships 11 years ago. And it was against Savannah Marshall. However, Savannah Marshall never knocked it out that night. She comprehensively outboxed her that night. And that's something you've got to think about because, and I think that more than anything else might be what's playing on Clarissa's mind. It's like, everyone's telling me this, this girl's a big punch. All I've got to do is avoid the big punch. However, what you don't know is the skeleton in my closet, when she beat me, she never knocked me out. She outboxed me. Now, I know Clarissa was a teenager then, and she's come on so much since. But I would also say Savannah Marshall's come on an awful lot since. She sits down on her shots a lot more. Listen, if Clarissa gets knocked out in the first round or gets knocked out in the 10th round, I wouldn't be surprised. If Clarissa Shields runs away with a one-sided points decision, I wouldn't be surprised. That's why it's a great fight, because anything can happen at any moment. It wouldn't surprise me if Savannah Marshalls get, gets hit more than she's ever been hit before and yeah. she goes down and gets up as well. It wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if they both go down. It wouldn't surprise me if we get a controversial decision at the end. And it would not surprise me to see these two women in the trilogy of fights. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. You're listening to Fight Now Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll speak with Nick about the latest news in the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And we'll hear from heavyweight Tom Aspinall. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with myself, Gareth and Avis. And always brilliant with me, Nick Pete, one half of the Fight Cycles. This section, we're focusing on mixed martial arts. But before we get to Nick's view on Paris on Saturday night, let's hear from Tom Aspinall, who told myself and Andy Clark on Fight Night on Saturday night, just how difficult it is being injured and out for 10 months. I've reflected on it and stuff. I've thought about it a lot. And all you can really do from it is just try and move forward the best that you can. You know, it's, it's done now. It's in the past. And I've cried about it a lot. Mm. And I, I, at this point, I've just got to move on. Otherwise, I'll just cry about it forever. They're saying about 10 months. Wow. 10 months until I've been, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big injury. It is a big injury. Um, you know, it used to be a career-ending injury mm. until they came up with uh, some new technology about 15, 20 years ago, I'm told. So footballers in the 80s and stuff, when this used to happen to footballers and rugby players, the career was over. So I'm very thankful that um, modern technology, modern doctors and modern medicine and all that kind of stuff, that times have moved on and I will be back at some point next year. Nick, poor old Tom Aspinall, you were there on the night. Main event, one fight away, arguably, if he'd beaten Curtis Blades, and he was the underdog, in my view, against Curtis. 
um, from potentially fighting for UFC gold at heavyweight. We've never had that before from a British fighter. I know Alistair Overeem is half British, half Dutch, but, you know, opportunity knocked and a horrible bad luck broke his knee, basically. And Tom on the show there revealing that he's not just out for a little while. He's not just out with an injury that, you can just get over. He's got 10 months out, very deep rehab. Years ago would have ruined a, a boxer's career, a footballer's career, a rugby player's career. They wouldn't have fought, they would have played again or fought again. Um, the big question with Tom there is, is he mentally strong enough to come back and go back to that level again, in your view? Yeah, 100% I'd say he is because he's been training to do this since he was since he was in nappies, you know, as dad Andy as jiu-jitsu coach. Um, they've been training to, to get into the UFC since Tom was a baby. So his, his, his journey absolutely continues. This happens sometimes in sports. You get a bad injury. And as you say, he's just lucky that it's happened in this generation where he can rehab it. He can come back from it. You know, you're probably looking at, Back end this time, this time next year before he talk about his return. But the good thing is, Gareth, as you just pointed out, he was a win or two away from a title shot. So when he does return in a year, it's not like he's got to start all over again. He's still going to be ranked in the top 10. He's still going to have great opportunities afforded to him in the heavyweight division. And I think a lot of people realise that's even though it's a loss on his record, it was a loss based on the fact that he, he got an injury. He kicked Curtis Blades in the, in the, in the side. Uh, and his knee just completely blew out in the fight, you know, 15 seconds into the fight or whatever it was. So heartbreaking for Tom. Just heart I know him personally, Tom, you know, I've known him for a long time. And just to hear him speaking to you there, just it's upsetting because I know how much he wants this. I know how much he's sacrificed. I know how hard he works and how much potential he's got. You know, he, he's genuinely got the potential to become UFC heavyweight champion. In fact... If he was to end his career and not be Avastinta's UFC heavyweight champion, I would be shocked and surprised and devastated. So I know how much he's hurting right now, um, but he will be back and he will be back and he'll have those opportunities. And in two or three years time, hopefully we come back and we look at it and we'll, and he'll be able to have a laugh about it. Yeah. That feeling of hurt was so tangible in his voice, in the nuance in his voice on, yep. on Saturday night. I mean, we were, he was very happy to talk about the Paris event, which we'll get onto in a mo, but you know, I mean, I've known Tom for a little while now, and um, you know, I was really noticing him develop as a as a, as a fighter, as someone that could carry. And he carried a main event um, in London previously. Great performance against performance against Alexander Volkov. Um, he he really seemed to have all the credentials, um, the hand speed, great stand up, as you say, jujitsu from nappies. You know, which is very unusual for yeah. a European or at least British fighter. And he seemed to have the, what I liked most about him, Nick, was that he wasn't, he's a, he's a very, um, he's a very bright character, but he wasn't in a hurry either. And that's mm -hmm. what I really liked about him. That he, he said, look, if it takes me three years, it takes me three years, four years, I don't mind. Um, and obviously he had the wins against um, Andre Olovsky and he developed and the Volkov was a big test. This was a massive test for him against Curtis Blades, who I think is one of the underrated heavyweights in the UFC, one of the underrated heavyweights in the world. He's so dangerous. He's yeah. like a large spider when he's fighting. You know, he's, he's got so many, uh, so, so much to his skill set. Um, you know, 
I hope you're right about Tom. I mean, I don't mean he hasn't got it mentally. Of course he has. But to get over that and then to climb the ladder again, I think the UFC will look kindly on him as well when he comes back. They probably won't oh, yeah. throw him any banana skins. They'll say, look, one, two, three, bing, bang, bosh. If you can go those, beat these people, you get there. Simple as that. And maybe by then, John Jones will be in the mix. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, hopefully John Jones will be in the mix before the end of the year if things yeah. go to plan. But the... Yeah. Like to, just being around Tom, you know, with every fight in the UFC, he was like, I'm in no rush, I'm in no rush. And the UFC give him a top 10, I'm in no rush. And the UFC gives him a main event in London, I'm in no rush. And then it was always like he was being rushed somewhat, I wouldn't say reluctantly, because opportunity knocks, you've got to take these opportunities when they come along. But he had no intention of being the main event at the O2 back to back in the same year at the start of this time last year. He wanted to go slower than that. And, you know, maybe Lady Lux played a, a bit of a cruel hand at the moment and he's getting that extra time that he that he planned for. Obviously not in the way that he would have ever dreamt or feared. But every cloud, you know, everything's got a silver line. I think he's just going to take the time now, just let us let himself obviously recover. That's the most important thing. But also just take gravitas of the situation because it was happening incredibly fast for him. That's not to say he's not more than capable. But I just don't think it's a, it's a bad thing right now where he gets to just take a breather, have a little check, realise how far he's come in such a short space of time in the UFC, and then look to rebuild at the back end the next year and really push on in 2024. Um, brilliant stuff. Uh, finally, before we close the show, Paris on Saturday night. Obviously, you were there. Um, you talked about the atmosphere at the top of the show. Um there were a couple of performances of the night. I'm not sure if you, you were busy or saw these fights. Um, Abus Magomedov and Benoit Saint-Denis. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, Benoit Saint-Denis would have sent the crowd crazy um, because, you know, basically at the end of the day, he won in the second round, TKO punches. I bet they went wild. Well, that set the tone, Gareth. You know, there was five French fighters on the card. All five of them won, and Saint-Denis was the first one to make his ring walk, and he absolutely set the tone. The place went ballistic. That lit the blue touch paper, and from there on in, it was just a night to remember. And Saint-Denis, he's got a back... You know, he's the backstory of a fighter that you love. You know, he's French Secret Service. His dad was a former French Foreign Legion officer. You know, everything you want in a Frenchman making the walk, to go to war in Paris for the first time inside the UFC. FC Octagon ticked every box. Phenomenal. Obviously, from a from a domestic point of view, Nathaniel Wood was on there as well. Yes. Quick turnaround from his fight in July. He looked absolutely sensational against Charles Jordan. It won every round against the French Canadian, and this was a big step up. Everyone was saying, you know, Jordan's a massive favourite. Too much, too soon for Nathaniel in this new weight division of featherweight. But he looked absolutely phenomenal once again. Honestly, Nathaniel Wood as a featherweight looks like 100% the real deal. Do you, do, you, do you think, yeah, I've been watching that. Do you think he qualifies skill sets, standing, climbing? Is he going to get a title shot, do you think, two or three fights? I think he's going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I was surprised this morning when I seen he wasn't yet ranked. But yeah. he, definitely, he definitely needs a ranked opponent. Um in his next fight because he's he's just shown that since he's moved up from bantamweight where he was knocking on the door of, of ranked opponents he's he's no longer spending 12 weeks cutting weight he's now cutting weight in a week and he's spending the other 11 weeks getting in shape now of course the jordan fight that was a six-week turnaround from london but 
his mindset's completely changed and that's such a powerful tool. I think a lot of fighters can learn from that. It's not necessarily about getting down to the minimum weight possible to have as many size and natural advantages. It's about being in the right headspace. You know, you don't have to kill yourself to cut weight if you're good enough to compete at a different level. And Nathaniel Wood at the moment's proven that he's good enough to compete at featherweight. As always, Nick, thanks so much for joining me on Fight Night Extra this week. Next up here, it's Champions League Live. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.